This morning's scripture reading comes from select passages from the book of Proverbs. When a person's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. To start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. Honor belongs to the person who ends a dispute, but any fool can get himself into a quarrel. He who gives an honest answer gives a kiss on the lips. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever spreads slander is a fool. Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. A person who is passing by and meddles in a quarrel that's not his is like one who grabs a dog by the ears. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. This is the word of the Lord. So we're in a new series for the fall in the book of Proverbs called Get Wisdom. The last two Sundays were an overview of the series, an overview really of the book of Proverbs. We've been talking about why do we need wisdom? What is it? And the priority and urgency for us to get it. So the last two weeks we're laying a foundation, painting a picture like the picture on the front of our bulletin of this treasure that wisdom is, that wisdom is like the lost treasure we need in an age of information overload, of distraction and division. We need to get wisdom. Now, starting today, we're going to get into specific topics that are addressed and covered in the book of Proverbs. So this will be from here all the way until Advent, wisdom in action. What does it look like? in everyday life, in the circumstances, and in the challenges that we face. A question was asked of me last week when we were having tacos together. But you said a little bit about how to get wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to love it. We need to treasure it. And in those, uh, those two things, fear and love, as they come together in Jesus, we can get wisdom. And the person said, that's helpful as a starting point. But how do we get it, how do we get it really? Get, get more practical. And that's where I hope to, uh, to take us. I hope that we all get very practical in the next number of months. Because how do, you, how do you get wisdom? Well, in one sense, the entire book of Proverbs was written to answer that question. You have to read it. You have to wrestle with it. And if you've read the book of Proverbs, you might, you might realize... Um, there's, there's a bit of division. So there's the first few chapters of Proverbs that are the introduction, chapters 1 through 9. You can kind of read those as a flowing narrative of story about the importance of wisdom. So they kind of fit together. You can read them like you read other chapters in the Bible, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, etc. But chapters 10 through 31 are a collection of sayings. And some of them, you read one, and it switches topics completely in the next saying, and you or like, oh, well, I read that, now I'm going to that. How do, you, 
approach that? How do you get wisdom as you are moving through the book and reading the book of Proverbs? Well, it's really not possible to preach through chapters of Proverbs because of that structure. Proverbs isn't written to focus just on one proverb alone in isolation of all the others. They, they fit together. So it's best to look at the book as a whole and I think to trace those common themes and topics one at a time. That's the approach I'm going to take. My goal will be to pick topics that are particularly relevant to the massive and ongoing craziness that is our world right now. So, for example, we'll cover these topics. How to talk to people, our words. How to talk about people. I think that's two different messages. How to do justice, practically. How to be a friend. How to understand our emotions. How to let go of control. And how to work our vocations. How to work with purpose. All these things we'll cover in the next few months. But today, we're going to start by talking about wisdom for repairing relationships. The past two years, I think, have strained and challenged and stretched and broken our relationships like never before. Our relationships have had to pass through disagreement over politics, COVID protocols, cultural issues, all that has tested and strained and sometimes torn apart some very important relationships in our lives. Uh, throughout COVID, our closest relationships have become even closer for a season that was all we had, our folks who were with us in our home, locked down with us. And for some, that was very good. I've heard some of that from you, and that's great. And for some, not so good <laughs> and still hard. Some of us are disappointed about how people have come through for us or been present for us all throughout these difficult months and years that we've been going through. And many of us, because of all this, we're just surrounded by all this, many of us are on edge. You see people like yelling at fast food workers and airline stewardesses and stewards and all this stuff, and you see that happening, and there is an edginess out there. Proverbs gives us wisdom for repairing relationships. I want to start with a question here. There's a picture of two Two types of feasts. Feast number one, picture number one. There is a feast of bread crusts. And I want to ask you, which meal would you rather have? Number one, and let's look at number two. Oh, yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, we are in the fall, right? I think officially we're in the fall now, so Thanksgiving is coming. So, kids, which, which feast would you rather have? Number one, let's go back. Yes, bread crusts. Or number two. Yes, the feast. Which one? Okay, so yeah, which one would you rather have? Well, you say that's easy. Well, Proverbs 17.1 says this. Better a dry crust with peace than a house full of feasting with strife. The point is conflict. Broken relationships destroy our ability to enjoy life. It's better to have repaired relationships in a bread crust feast <laughs> than it is to have comfort and all kinds of great things in life if you have conflict. You see the point? 
You can have so many things in life. You can get so many things in life, but if you don't get the wisdom to know how to repair your relationships, none of it will bring you joy. Pastor Tim Keller, I have a quote at the beginning of the bulletin and the quotes there. He gives a helpful analogy. He says, relationships are like a house. All of them require regular maintenance and sometimes major repairs. Every house is like that. Sometimes it's minor. You just have to replace a light bulb or like fix a faucet or something. Sometimes it's major where you have to deal with a foundation crack or a slab leak. We had that happen to us. It's major and massive. I would guess that every single person here has at least one or more relationships that are in need of maintenance or even major repair. So as we get into the wisdom that's given to us here in the book of Proverbs, what I'd like for you to do is to prayerfully think about that. Think about that person. Think about that relationship where God might help lead you to the proper maintenance or repair. God has given us this wisdom, and there is great hope. There is great hope that even in the hardest relationship, he can bring repair. So let's talk about the four aspects of God's wisdom for repairing relationships. They're in your bulletin outline if you want to follow along first. Proverbs first helps us get God's perspective on conflict. And I'd summarize it like this. I think I have it up on the slide there. Conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. And conflict can be potentially destructive or powerfully constructive. Conflict can break relationships and do harm, or it can actually build relationships and build maturity in us, and wisdom is what makes the difference as to what happens when we face conflict in our lives. Look at Proverbs 23. I think these, as these, I say these Proverbs, most of them will be on the slides. Honor belongs to the person who ends a dispute, but any fool can get himself into a quarrel. Anyone can get into a conflict, and everyone does. We cannot avoid it. It is a part of human experience and life. It is inevitable. There are so many proverbs about conflict. I think I listed, I don't know how many here on the um, scripture reading, but there are 20, 30, and more, and they kept, kept growing as I kept reading the proverbs this week. Why? <laughs> because conflict is a part of our lives, pretty much our everyday lives at some level. This proverb says anyone can get into a conflict, but not everyone knows how to end a conflict properly. There is honor to the, to the person who has wisdom to reconcile and repair the relationship and bring an end to a dispute. You know, often in the middle of a conflict, I was thinking about this for myself, when you're in the middle of a conflict, we think about protecting our honor by winning the conflict. Like, this person is disrespecting me. This person needs to understand me. This person needs to understand my point of view or I am not honored. Proverbs said it's not about winning the conflict that is the place where true honor is found. 
There is greater honor when we become someone who knows how to repair a relationship when it breaks. And unfortunately, unlike washing machines and other appliances and everything you can find out how to repair on YouTube, which is awesome, you can't YouTube how to repair that relationship you have that's broken. That's what Proverbs is for, though. Look at Proverbs 17, 14. It says, to start a conflict is to release a flood. Stop the dispute before it breaks out. Here's where Proverbs is saying, conflict is potentially destructive. We all know this, but the image of a flood drives it home how destructive it can be. A flood is something that cannot be controlled. It carries on a life of its own. Once it starts, you can't stop. There's just destruction in its wake. So Proverbs is saying, fix the leak. Do the maintenance before it becomes a flood, a massive repair. So conflict can be like a flood. It can destroy all kinds of things in our lives. But Proverbs also teaches conflict can be powerfully constructive. Proverbs 16, 7. When a person's ways please the Lord, even he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So conflict can be potentially constructive. This is saying the person who walks in the way of God's wisdom is able to enter into a conflict, a broken relationship, even a conflict not of their own making. They have an enemy who is against them, and they are able in that situation to bring about peace, peace for themselves, peace for the other person. That kind of peace flows into the community out from that reconciliation. It affects many people. The wise person can see conflict and say this, look, here is an opportunity to construct peace, to be made more into a person who pleases the Lord. They look at conflict and say, that's what can happen here. It's potentially constructive. This week on Thursday, I was having lunch at Biola. Go Biola, right? In the south where I grew up, if you mentioned like the school you went to, I say, you know, I went to University of Florida, all of a sudden people are like, yeah, so come on, Biola, let's go. So I was at Biola, there we go. When I walked outside, um, it was, I said, oh, it's like cloudy today, that's good, that's good. And I looked closer and uh, that's not clouds, that's smoke, like, that's not good. So I started getting on my phone looking at where is the smoke coming from because it seemed like it was coming from somewhere nearby that something was on fire. And I found out the smoke was from fires way up in Northern California that had blown all the way down here to Southern California. I was like, wow, fires way over there are affecting us here. It's all in the atmosphere that we breathe. And I thought, <laughs> that's kind of like the environment we're living in now when it comes to conflict. So much of the discourse that we take in on a daily basis, pick your news media, your news channel, your social media platform, whatever it is, so much of it is designed to inflame us into conflict. To say, did you realize how much of an enemy to you this person is, that group is? Do you realize that this person with this perspective needs to be treated like an enemy? 
And so much of what we're taking in is convincing us, trying to convince us of this, intensifying and inflaming conflict. So you might not be on fire, but there's smoke all around us in the atmosphere. It's in the air we breathe. And God is saying here, walk in my wisdom and you can put the flames out. You don't have to be set on fire, even if you're living in this crazy atmosphere. It's saying you can put these flames out in your life. It spills over. Conflict can be an opportunity for us, Proverbs 16, 7, to construct peace. As James 3 says, we looked at this last week, the mark of God's wisdom from above is the cultivation of peace. So even in an environment where it's like everybody's on fire, everything's on fire, Proverbs and the whole of Scripture says there's hope. We could enter into this with hope. There's opportunity even in this to cultivate peace. The person and author I've learned the most from when it comes to conflict is an author named Ken Sandy. Some of you have heard of him. He's the author of the book called The Peacemaker. It's like the standard thing you read in seminary when it comes to conflict resolution. And it's fantastic. I came across his writing in ministry when I was at a church that was on fire. It was in all kinds of conflict. And I read his stuff, and he came and visited that church, actually, personally. He said this, and I remember it. When I came across it, I was like, what is this? He says, conflict is an opportunity to glorify God, serve the other person, and grow to be like Jesus. And I thought, that is not at all the way that I've ever seen conflict in my life. It's an opportunity because of our upbringing, because of our story, because of just who we are. We all tend to react to conflict in a few different ways. The two main ones, and this is how Ken Sandy says it, we tend to be peace fakers or peace breakers. Peace fakers, that's more me. We don't like conflict. We want to avoid it. We want it to go away. Proverbs says it's inevitable. It is not going away. You can't avoid it. Don't fake it if it's not there. That doesn't help. Peace breakers are more the folks who try to win the conflict, win the argument. That's destructive. Proverbs says that's the fool. You're going to destroy yourself in the end. Conflict, Proverbs says, can be an opportunity to learn to be a peacemaker. The conflict in your life right now can be an opportunity to cultivate peace. That's God's perspective on conflict. Let's get even more practical here. When it happens, what is the wise way to handle it? How do you go about cultivating that peace and repairing? Proverbs teaches us that it starts with knowing what not to conceal. The key word in the book of Proverbs when it comes to conflict is this word conceal. We're going to talk about it a lot from here to the end of the message. First, there's two parts to this. Don't conceal your part in the conflict. I'm going to read a number of Proverbs here. Listen to these. One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. And then 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck 
will suddenly be broken beyond healing. This is everywhere in Proverbs. I think it might even be a standalone message, but it's saying this. The more open you are to correction, the more open you are to rebuke, the more wise you will become, the more healthy your relationships will be. And Proverbs says, this is how, this is how conflicts can become an opportunity for you, a source of growth in wisdom for you. Conflict, conflicts are our opportunity <laughs> to be rebuked, which is everyone's favorite thing, right? Who loves to be rebuked and corrected? No one. But the wise person can look at conflict and say, this is hard. I don't want to hear this. This is not fun, but God help me not miss this opportunity to see and confess my part in all of this. The wise person wants to know when they fail, when they're wrong, when they hurt somebody, when they're short of what is right and loving in a relationship. They want to listen to it. They don't want to run from it. They don't want to try to hide it or deny it. Proverbs 29 says, if you don't do that, eventually you will be broken beyond healing, which is quite a warning. And this rebuking and this correcting, this reproving doesn't come in the happy moments of peace in our relationships where it's like, let's sit down and talk about rebuking each other right now. This is a good time to do that, isn't it? And we know that that doesn't work. It happens when tensions occur, when we're rubbing each other the wrong way, when offense happens against each other, there's the opportunity. It happens in conflict. And Proverbs says, Relationship repair begins by not concealing our sins. Proverbs 28, 13, we'll put that on the slide. The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. If I were to pick one step, this is where you have to start. This is it before getting to the other steps. This has to be in place. If you try to move into those other steps that we're going to get to in a moment without this, you can do more damage. The most common thing that happens when we are in the middle of an argument or a conflict is that we try to conceal our part and our role in it all. It goes like this. Our focus in that moment when something comes up between us and another person is on the other person, on their part, on their failure, on their role. Why didn't you just understand what I was trying to do? Don't you know how good I am at heart? I would never try to say anything to hurt you. Don't you know? Why didn't you understand that? Why did you do what you did first? Why did you say what you said and then I would have never said it? What we're doing there is we are shining the light, exposing and revealing the sin and the shortcoming of the other person. While at the same time, as we're doing that, we're taking our part and our role, we're just putting it in the corner over here. Oh, nobody can see it. <laughs> we're just putting it in the shadows, concealing it. This will destroy your relationships, and eventually, if you let it go on, Proverbs says it will destroy you. Instead, confess and find mercy. So don't conceal when you are wrong. Secondly, Put this up on the slide as well. Don't conceal 
when you feel wronged and hurt by the other person. I know that's what some of you were thinking, but what about them? What if I am wronged? Proverbs says a lot about that. It teaches us that in order for relationships to be repaired, we cannot conceal when we feel wronged or hurt. Or when we are concerned with what another person whom we care about and love has said or done. Proverbs 10.18. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever slanders is a fool. One commentator says about this proverb, it teaches us that it is important to be open and honest with one's words. If there is a legitimate gripe about something, the wise person will rebuke the other with the purpose of helping and restoring the relationship. When we conceal our feeling of being wronged or hurt, this is more the peace faker group, the peace faker people. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have conflict. When we conceal and don't say anything, it festers, this proverb is saying, into hatred and often comes out of us in other ways, sometimes in slander speaking to other people about it. Proverbs says, when you conceal, you are lying. You are not telling the truth about that relationship. This proverb tells us then that not concealing, sharing when we feel wronged or hurt is a matter of honesty and of love. Because if we feel hurt and wrong, the honest truth is our relationship with that person is impacted, it's affected, it's strained and broken. And it's not loving for us to hide that or to conceal that from another person. 24, 26, he who gives an honest answer gives a kiss on the lips. <laughs> That's a great proverb. What is it saying? Well, a good way to use our lips, a Pleasurable way to use your lips is to kiss someone on the lips, is saying. And so another way is to be honest. To be honest can be a good thing. It's a good way to use your mouth. 27.5 says, better an open reprimand than concealed love. The wounds of a friend are trustworthy, but the kisses of an enemy are excessive. So there's the kissing theme there again. Do not confront and sometimes to wound, this is saying to confront and to wound, sometimes it's to be a real friend. But to, prevent, to pretend that everything is okay when it's not, that's being a kiss up. That's turning into that person's enemy. Saying you're hiding love when you don't openly reprimand when it's called for. Here is the connection between these two things under this point. When we conceal that we feel wronged or hurt by someone else, we don't give that other person the opportunity to confess that wrong, to find mercy, to grow themselves to be more like Jesus through confession. And we leave the relationship less healthy, often broken, and in need of maintenance. Like that repair in your house that you just choose to ignore, but then all of a sudden, you can't ignore it anymore because it's falling apart. There's something very important that Proverbs says about being honest. Proverbs 15, 1, let's put that up on the screen. It says, not just an honest answer, but it needs to also be a gentle answer. It's not just what we say. It's how we say it. 
It's thinking about how it will be received by the other person. So if you are more on the peace breaker side and you enjoy reprimanding and rebuking a little bit, you enjoy pointing out failures and faults in other people, then this proverb is for you. It's not just honesty. It's gentle honesty. If you can't grow, as I said before, in the first part of this, not concealing your own wrongs, you really don't have the right to move to the second one, helping others see their wrongs. It will end up doing more harm than good. As Jesus said, get the log out of your own eye so you'll be able to see the speck in somebody else's eye. And I know what we always think, which is, well, what if the log is in their eye and the speck is in my eye? That is exactly why Jesus said it that way. That always look for the log that's blocking your view of where this conflict happened, of your part in it. Only then will you be able to see what's going on with the other person. God's perspective on conflict. What not to conceal. Proverbs also talks a lot about what to conceal. I'm going to make this more a brief point. How do you repair your relationships? You know what not to conceal, but also what you need to know what to conceal. And it takes wisdom to know when to do one and when to do the other. Let me explain. Proverbs 26, 17. A person who is passing by, this is like one of my favorite Proverbs now, and meddles in a quarrel that's not his is like one who grabs a dog by the ears. What is that saying? Don't grab a dog by the ears and you will get bit by that dog. And that is what it's saying. Don't get into a quarrel or a conflict if you are not in it to help repair. Now, just application here. One of the realities of our age in this information age that we live in, we are exposed to a lot of quarrels. If you just read the news, watch the news, whatever, if you're on social media, again, it's all quarrels pretty much, right? Most of it. There's some good stuff that's shared as well. So you're passing by, you're scrolling a little bit, you're on your computer, you're on your TV, and you're like, look, a lot of quarrels out there. That's what's going on in the world. Okay, I need to get into this. I need to think about this. I need to take a side. I need to tweet about it. I need to talk about it. I need to bring it up with other people. Proverbs says you're going to get bit unless you are engaged to wisely discern the way to peace and to help others discern the way to peace. Don't get involved. Just think about that for the sake of application when it comes to the quarrelsome world that we live in. Proverbs says you need to conceal yourself from that, from being too drawn into it and being consumed for it and being set on fire and inflamed by that. But this is more about conflicts that don't involve us And and it is about conflicts that don't involve us, but sometimes it is about conflicts that do involve us, that we need to conceal. Sometimes we are to conceal a legitimate offense that's been committed against us without bringing it up to the other person. Look at Proverbs 19.11. A person's insight gives him patience, and his virtue is to overlook an offense. And Proverbs 17.9. 
Whoever conceals an offense promotes love, but whoever gossips about it separates friends. I think gossips, that's a fair translation, but I think the better translation based on my study is whoever repeats a matter. It's saying that if you are constantly dwelling on an offense yourself, you're repeating it to yourself, or if you're repeating it to somebody else, or if you're repeating it to that person, you are separating friendships and relationships. We're being taught here that it's not necessary to address every offense against us. And a wise person is able to know when something can be overlooked. A wise person also knows, I'm only going to bring other people into this. I'm only going to repeat this matter to somebody else when that somebody else is being brought in to help me repair this relationship. Otherwise, I'm just separating friends. I'm, I'm breaking relationships. And it's getting into the realm of gossip. We'll say more about that when we get to the message on how to talk about other people. We'll talk about slander, gossip, and those kinds of things. But Proverbs says, you also need to know not everything has to be addressed. Sometimes you need to absorb it yourself. So let's put this all together. Confessing, not concealing our sins, letting them be revealed to us, honestly and gently confronting other people's wrongs and when they've hurt us, and sometimes just concealing things that have hurt us or wronged us, but we choose instead to conceal those things. Proverbs says this is the wisdom. This is the way to repair our relationships. And all of that is extremely hard. We can look at it on paper and go, I think I get it. But in the midst of a conflict, it is so hard. One final step. Without it, there can't be true repair. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love covers all offenses. Conflicts are only truly repaired when offenses are covered. When you stop stirring up the conflict over and over again and you decide to cover that offense. The word for cover is actually the same Hebrew word, word as the Words conceal that we've been reading in all of these Proverbs. This is what's tying it together. One commentator said, to cover an offense, it's like putting a wet blanket on top of a fire. You're covering it. You're putting the fire out. It's gone. Psalm 32.1 uses the same word. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Forgiveness means when God sees us, he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our offenses against him. It's covered, it's over, the relationship is repaired. To cover, it doesn't mean to pretend it didn't happen. It doesn't mean to excuse what happened. It doesn't mean it wasn't a big deal. It's a picture of what happens when we forgive, when we see a person that we have been in conflict with, when they have hurt us or wronged us. Do we still see the wrong that they did? Do we still see that hurt? Do we still see what they owe us? Do we look at them and see the cause of the conflict between us and them? Are we dwelling on it or is it covered? We can't see it. It's not there. It doesn't stand in the way of us and that other person. 
That is when the relationship is truly repaired. Here's how this works. Every time an offense is committed, anytime something happens where there's a wrong in a relationship, there's a cost, there's pain, there's hurt, there is a debt. Proverbs 10, 12 is telling us love is saying, instead of making you pay the cost of that debt, instead of making you feel the pain, instead of you bearing the debt and the hurt that you created, I will do that. I will cover it. And that blanket imagery maybe is a good imagery. The, the blanket that covers the fire is singed and burned and says, I will cover it. I'll take the heat and the pain. One commentator said this covering is love at great cost to self, absorbing the wrong in order to reconcile. Something must be done with the offense, with the sin, with the wrong that breaks relationships in order for them to be repaired. It doesn't just go away. It's there. Something has to be done with it. And Proverbs says it's only fully repaired when it's covered. And there's really only two options. It's either you pay, you hurt, you absorb, or I hurt, I pay, I absorb. How can we do this? Well, when we read the book of Proverbs, we are reading wisdom from God for us to use in our relationships, but we are also reading glimpses of the pre-incarnate wisdom of Jesus Christ that was embodied and lived out for our salvation. The entire Bible is about how God repaired a broken relationship. The entire Bible is how God repaired our relationship with him. And how did he do that? By covering. He did it by covering at great cost to himself, absorbing the wrong himself in order to reconcile us to him. There was only two choices. We pay the debt. We experience the pain and the curse and the death. We experience the flame, or he does, by covering. This is God's wisdom, and this is God's love in the gospel. And this is the power for us to be coverers. As those who have been covered at the ultimate cost to God himself, we cover others' wrongs and sins so that we can repair the relationship. To not cover the offense of someone who has wronged you is to say their offense is greater than my offense before God. To be able to cover the offense of another person is to say, I have been covered and my offenses, I don't even know the extent of how great they are. But God in his love and in his wisdom has covered me and when he sees me, he sees me without my sin, without that offense. There is nothing between me and God, and that is only possible because of what Jesus has done for me. It's when our hearts are melted like that and convinced of that, that we can cover the sins of other people and their offenses against us. 
This is the wisdom God has shown us in repairing our relationship with him. This is the wisdom he's given us in the book of Proverbs. And so my friends, I'm going to ask you again to think about that person, that relationship that came to mind. Maybe it's a few. And I'm going to ask you, use it. Put that wisdom to work and see the reconciling and repairing power of Jesus on display to repair that relationship. I'm going to pray for that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your wisdom that we never could have dreamt of, that instead of us having to deal with the ways that we have wronged you, instead of us trying to find our way back through atonement, through paying for our own sins, you instead have covered them freely by your grace and mercy through the work of Jesus, our Savior. I pray that that would be a great reality that would not be a far-off concept, but that would be the reality at the center of our lives and our relationships, and you would help us be reconcilers, repairers. And may it just start with that one or a few people that you have laid on our hearts this week, in the coming weeks. Would you give us the grace to be peacemakers? We know it's only possible because of your wisdom and your grace, and we ask for it in Jesus, our Savior. Amen.